Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back, everybody. It's Gage and Brandon bringing you Dairyland Talk, March Madness edition. A um, couple things we want to get to, but first... We would like to talk about Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews headed for not-so-greener pastures, in my humble opinion. Um, But obviously the best of luck to them. Randall Cobb headed to Dallas on a one-year, $5 million deal. Clay Matthews, two years, around $16 million, uh, 16.85, I think it was, Gage, if, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Uh, I think um, you're right. Uh, whatever it was, I thought it was way too high. Yeah, way too high. Both numbers were just, well, maybe Cobb was a reasonable price, um, but they just, it seems like Green Bay was ready to move on and they want to use their money elsewhere. They do have a little bit to play with. There is a little bit of discrepancy about how much, or there maybe that's cleared up by now, but earlier in the week there was some discussion as whether they had five, eight, or now it's uh, around $13 million left on the cap, um, but a portion of that does have to be set aside for the 2019 draft class. Um, but before we talk about free agency, um, let's just touch on Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews. I'll just start us off by saying um, that I really do thought these two guys in particular really upheld what it meant to be a Packer. And they were all they were always so graceful about things and um, never pointing fingers and, and, and really just the best teammates um, from what you can tell. I mean, from being a fan, you know, these guys really seem to be um, attractive personalities in the locker room and and definitely leaders in their own right. I mean, Cobb is was one of the most clutch players um, of the last decade going to his two long touchdowns versus the Bears, the one in 2013, then, of course, the one in week one this season, and then Clay Matthews, the Packers' all-time sack leader, um, if we're not counting Willie Davis, of course. Um, and he, in his own right, had the the, the, the flex celebration, which you know became a, a trademark of his. Um, I'm certainly going to miss him. I actually have Clay Matthews' jersey. I don't have Randall Cobb's jersey. Um, but I'm not going to be get, getting rid of the Clay Matthews jersey just because he's going to go down as a, a legend, and so will Cobb. Um, but they will certainly be missed, but it's clear that Brian Gutekunst is just ready to, to take the roster in a different direction and get a little bit younger at both of those positions, receiver and edge rusher. Um, yeah, uh, one, like, 
obviously Cobb being Cobb and Matthews were guys that we've both talked about. And I know we've both written about, about how they were probably going to be on their way out um, just due to price. I did think that Cobb was a lot cheaper than I was expecting. Um, yeah. Like the receiver market was really soft in terms of just like talent that was out there. So the fact that he only got five million was kind of surprising when you got guys like Devin Funches getting ten, um, thirteen. I thought right. Uh, it ended up being ten. It was one year, ten million. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Good. You, Good John job. Brown got nine million a year, yeah. and he's the and they're the same age. Uh, and Cobb's been better than Brown and more consistent than Brown his entire career. Uh, Cole Beasley is a year older, and he got, what, 7.25 a year. So I was kind of surprised that Cobb only got the amount that he got. Now, I'm not surprised that he left Green Bay, and uh, Cobb even said that he, he knew it was a, it's a business decision. He realizes that this is a business. Um, and and I really love and I. I really appreciate that, but at the end of the day, you also that's what you expect from Cobb. He had been a constant professional his entire time with Green Bay and in the NFL, so it's not surprising for him to go about that. Um, and then Clay, Clay received a lot less fanfare on his way out of Green Bay, which I thought was extremely surprising. Like you, I have a Clay Matthews jersey. I have one of the official, um, like nike like the look like everything's sewn on it's not printed i got that for mm-hmm. my birthday and i'll keep i'll keep that jersey forever uh, i'm not don't plan on getting rid of it um uh he's kind of going home for like if you think about it because he's from california he's from la yeah he, he played at usc he like i'm pretty sure he still has a house there so he's getting to go home and play where he's play where he's from but his contract was super rich but also you got to think about that's just where the edge rusher market is right now like guys that can rush the rush the passer even if it's not at supremely elite levels that's what they're that's what they're getting and that was a position of need for the rams as well so that probably played a a role in that as well um as well being that they needed more pass rush um yeah and then i got a question one thing that popped up on – I saw it on Facebook earlier, and you know how Facebook fan groups can be, was uh, somebody commented on the fact that um, – did you see Rogers like, post to, uh, to Cobb on his Instagram and stuff? Yeah, I saw the post. Yeah, awesome. so, so yeah, awesome stuff. And then everyone's like, well, why hasn't he said anything about Clay? What is this or that? And someone said that it's because he's really conceited and full of himself or this or that. And I was, I obviously there's no, there's no fruit or there's no evidence to that. And it's not true at all. But I just thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's different. It's not that it's, he's clearly a fan of clay. He's friends with clay. There's no reason that clay. would. There's no reason clay would be a state farm guy. If it wasn't for Rogers, like if Rogers, like he would have said, nope, don't want him. Well, the other thing that they said, um, did you see what Colin Cowherd said? Not that we need to discuss him very to any great length on this podcast, but he said, um, if you didn't see it, that he just kind of encrypted the uh, the post he sent or that Rogers posted because it was a it was a quote. There was a quote from the Shawshank Redemption. He basically was saying, "Is is Rogers <laughs> sending out a secret message that?" It, the Green Bay is like being in jail because of all the 
uh, metaphors in that post, that post or quote that he had, and which was just an absurd take. Um, but that's what Colin Cowherd is famous for. He's the Skip Bayless uh, little brother, pretty much. Yeah, I mean that's just like that's just what he's gonna do, man. He's He's always going to say what's going to get views and what's going to get people to watch his show and get people to read anything that he puts out there because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. He's doing his grind, and if Rodgers really felt like Green Bay was a prison where he couldn't do what he wanted to do and couldn't well, why play. why did he sign there? I mean, that's, that's what I was getting real. ready to say. I was going to say if he if he didn't want that, he wouldn't have signed back. He would have gone in, gone away in free agency. So – yeah, like you said, we don't really need to discuss Colin Cowherd that much. I appreciate you bringing that up, to, though, because I had not seen or heard that because Colin Cowherd is not on my radar. Yeah, um, he's really not on mine either, but sometimes that stuff will pop up um, just because he's talking about the Packers, uh, which he should be banned from doing because he has the worst takes I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, it was just a, another reach by uh, a talking head in the media. Um, but more power to him because that's going to get more people to watch his show, and that's fine. But Rodgers has said multiple times he, he he understands his role. He's not in the front office. He's there to play, and I think he accepts that, and he's, you know, he's cool with that. He's not going to be involved in roster decisions, and he probably shouldn't be because it just wouldn't make any sense. It'd be hard to draw the line between player and coach at that point. And I think especially after the McCarthy fiasco, the Packers are trying to steer clear from that and let LaFleur just kind of run the show. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But um, who would you like to see? Now, if, if the Packers have around $13 million left, maybe they can add one or two solid players. Anyone left on the market gauge that you'd like to see? Um, feel free to say Jordy Nelson if you want. Gage, you there? Well, we may have lost Gage, so I will go ahead and take the reins here. I would just want to throw a couple names out there. Jordy Nelson is certainly... Frank, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I'm, I can hear you. Um okay. Okay, sorry. Jordy Nelson is not one of the names that I that I want brought back to <laughs> Packerland. I realize everyone out there is going to crucify me. I get it. I get it. However, for a very simple, there's a couple very simple reasons why I don't want him brought back. I love Jordy as a person. Uh, loved the his time in Green Bay. Have nothing but fond memories of it. Just like Cobb, consummate professional, always showed up, played his heart out. However. At the end of the day, it's a it's a business that's about winning football. Jordy Nelson might be able to bring a great personality to the locker room, a, a veteran presence. However, in the wide receiver room, that's Devontae's room. That's that's his room. Those are those guys coming up underneath him. Those are his guys. Those aren't Jordy. If he came back, I wouldn't want him to start. I just I don't. He doesn't have that next gear that he used to have and i think that's part of the part of a, and that's part of the reason why he's gone um he had a great connection with rogers but 
it's at, but Gudikins has shown in the last two off seasons that, like, yeah, you can have a great connection with Rogers, but it's a business and they have to win at the end of the day. Yeah, I understand. I think maybe it would have to come down to some egos. Um, I don't know if Jordy has that much of an ego, but it is uh, Devontae Adams' receiver's room. I mean, look at the year he had last year, and even the year before that was spectacular, and Jordy was around for that year in 2017, um, and he saw what Devontae is capable of, and then he saw the Packers let him walk. They They released him, and and drafted three younger wide receivers who are going to be the next generation of Aaron Rodgers' targets for at least the next four years. Um, and, and it's very clear from Gutekunst's actions that he's he's comfortable with those guys and the progression that they might take this next year, hopefully sooner than later. You know, it takes a while for these receivers to get up to par. I mean, it took Devontae Adams four seasons to really emerge as one of the top talents um, in the league. And it may take that time for, for these guys. And remember Devontae Adams was what a a second round pick. And these guys are fourth, fifth and sixth rounders. So it's, it could possibly take them longer. I've touched on that on a few of my articles and um, that's why I kind of want, I would, I'm not opposed to the idea of having Jordy around just because he would be on a snap count. I mean, he would be, you know, on a extremely skim contract. And I think we could just kind of limit him to the slot. And I think that would really help kind of ease these younger guys into it as well. Cause we've seen MVS and we've seen, um, GMO, they're able to win on the outside, not consistently yet, but they can win on the outside. And I think, Jordy might be able to open some things up for the, for them uh, if him and Rodgers can kind of rekindle what they had to an extent. Um, other than that, though, I kind of um, I kind of like some other guys. Obviously, like Trey Boston, but I'm not going to talk about him uh, any more than I have to. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good names out here. Um, Donald Penn was just released by Oakland. It looks like T.J. Lang's going to retire. Um, that's what I heard. And then there's Josh Sitton. Still no word on him. Maybe Glover Quinn as a free safety option to compliment Amos. Um, Glover Quinn's not the fastest guy, and he's kind of up there in age, but um, he's not 36 like Tremont, um, which is a plus. So any other names uh, you've been throwing around in your head, Gage? Up, oh, did we lose Gage again? You there, Gage? Well, Gage will probably be back in a few seconds. Um, I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yep, I'm. I can hear you. Alrighty. You uh, yeah, sound issues. Anyway, um, a name that I've been kind of thinking about a lot is Quentin Spam. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about him during the offseason run-up to free agency. He was a guy that was rumored to go to the Packers. Uh, by a lot of figureheads. Uh, I know uh, Andy Herman talked about him, uh, Peter Bukowski a little bit. Uh, just he's a, so he's a left guard. Like that's the position he's played his whole career. And but he could easily transition to right guard. I know they just signed Billy Turner, but clearly the market for Span isn't great. Otherwise, he would be on a team. Um, another thing that goes for in his favor is uh, he just played hit last season under Lafleur. 
So clearly, like, there's already some ties there. And I think that Span, even if he's not going to start, he does he does two things. He can push to start. Like, he can push um, both Lane Taylor and Billy Turner. And if he doesn't start, he gives them quality depth. The, like who uh, who of the among the bench or among the reserves would you say is an uh, an average NFL player on the offensive line right now? Who on the bench? On the bench, who would you say is just an average NFL player? They don't have to be a, a, an above average player. Just who do you think is an average, at least average? <sighs> I'm not sure. I mean, I, Justin McCray. <clears throat> Maybe McCray is average to below average. <laughs> I, I would say he's below average. The dude got bowled over all year last year, and players were constantly sitting in Rogers' lap. Kyle Murphy is below average. I would say Spriggs is below average. Um, I mean, who else? Cole Madison. Exactly. Cole Madison's not even in the same state as Green Bay right now, probably, so I don't even know. Exactly. So... So what is the issue with so wouldn't it make sense to bring in a guy like Span who can play both guard spots? He is a veteran presence. He's played under LaFleur before, so he knows the the like obviously the blocking scheme's probably not gonna change all that much, but he knows how it works. And he and he's gonna give them some veteran he's gonna give them some veteran help on the offensive line. And he's probably gonna come really cheap. I I am never opposed to adding offensive linemen as depth player as depth pieces uh on and honestly i'm the same way about defensive side about the defensive side of the ball um i think it's always good to add as many players in the trenches as possible that can help you win football games because injuries are going to happen that's just how football works Mm -hmm. uh and sometimes guys are going to take a step back or rest on their laurels so if you but if you got a guy like span waiting in the wings who can come in and start for you if necessary, or can play come in and play at a high level? It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and I mean, this guy is is reliable. He doesn't miss many games. I see he played ninety, almost ninety four percent of the snaps in twenty eighteen. So that kind of you know availability is really hard to replace, especially when you look at the Packers guard situation, Lane Taylor. And, um, you know, good, my goodness, I mean, who started at right guard last year? Or or at least, you know, I mean, it was a revolving door on the offensive line on the right side between Balaga, Bell, um, and, and McCray. And, and you look at a guy like, uh, is it Span or Spain? I mean, I see, I'm not really sure what how you pronounce it, but I mean, this it's spelled Spain. I've heard most people call him Quentin Span. I thought that's what yeah. his name is, so that's what I go with. I've watched a few Colts games, and I could have sworn it was Span, but you never know. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I mean, twenty-seven years old, he'd be it'd be like getting a, another um, Turner. I mean, that's just an up-and-comer who has some um, starting experience and and is a good depth piece and hopefully a solid starter. But you know, it's kind of hard to. maybe his market's a little too high seeing that he has started so many games i mean he's only missed let's see five games the last three years and he started all the games he's 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 been available for so um 
it is kind of weird to see offensive linemen with that kind of experience and they're only 27 years old still on the market. Um, but I'm all for it. I'm all for it over bringing in a guy like Lang or Sidden who's just kind of over the hill and would just be a stopgap where there's really not any future there. Um, I feel like this move would make a lot of sense given his history with, with LaFleur as well. And you kind of have to question if why he's not – um, you know, at least been to Green Bay or been in any conversations because, you know, that history. Uh, maybe LaFleur isn't a fan. I'm not sure. Maybe he, he's trying to move in a different direction. I don't really know much about this guy and, and what kind of um, what his strengths are as far as run blocking or, or pass blocking. But it, uh, if if there's some issue with pass blocking, that's probably why he hasn't been targeted yet in my eyes. But I have no idea. Um, any receivers, Gage, that you would want to see the Packers target? I'm not going to lie to you. I went through the receiver list earlier, and I didn't like I don't anybody like that much. I saw. So I was like, you know what? Let's draft one. I don't need to go address any of these dudes in free agency. None of them are worth signing. In my opinion, I, obviously, anybody can differ and disagree or whatever because Jordy Nelson's out there. I know, I know you all want Jordy. I get it. Uh, but I just, I don't see anybody on that list that is worth spending some, the remaining cap space that they have. Cause they have, they have a little bit to work with and that like it, it, taking into account the draft class. So if you take into account the draft class, there's a little bit left. I don't see anybody on the list that is worth capping myself out over. I just, I don't. I mean, that's fair, especially at receiver. The market's slim. Um, yeah, I mean, all the all the worthy starters are pretty much off the board. What about the secondary? I mentioned uh, Glover Quinn earlier. He's up there in age. Um Anyone that you want to see at maybe replace Breland or step in for Williams, um, we don't want. I don't want to see Williams play eighty percent of the snaps again because it's just not how you're going to maximize his playmaking ability. He's just going to be burnt out by week like eight, um, and he didn't even record an interception last year for the first time in his entire career. Um, his playmaking days are pretty much over. I would. It's hard to add a playmaker this late into the game, but I see Trey Boston out there, who I thought was a, a, an above-average playmaker. He's still available, and we have Darian Stewart, um, another safety who has history as a playmaker, still out there. Anyone um, that piques your interest, Gage, in the uh, secondary? Uh, actually, uh, Trey Boston is definitely on my list. Uh, also, coincidentally, he's 27. I, I feel like that's been Green Bay's magic number. It um, is. So I, I really – but I like the idea of him out there. Uh, kind of looking through the cornerbacks. Uh, Sam Shields? <laughs> no, thank you. Sam Shields, <laughs> another guy kind of like Jordy. Like, love him. Loved his time in Green Bay. But they they moved on for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ibrahim Campbell. Ibrahim Campbell, uh, I wouldn't be mad about bringing him back as a depth piece. I don't think he can start, though, especially alongside uh, no. Amos. Like, I think that 
Now, I think Amos is a better cover corner than he gets credit for. Uh, I kind of went back and watched a little bit of film on him in the past few weeks, and he gets a lot more. He's a lot better in coverage than he gets credit for. He's not just an in the box thumper like Josh Jones. Um, but I do think that they could afford to add another cornerback or another like pass coverage safety next to him, and I don't think that that'd be a bad thing. Uh, even just like to add to the rotation, like, cause yeah, Tremont doesn't have to play 80% of the t- snaps, but they could play fewer percent of the fewer snaps and just kind of rotate them in. Um, one guy that might be interesting to look at is Rashawn Melvin at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a really good year with, uh, Indianapolis, not last season, but the season before that. Um, and then went to Oakland and just kind of like a lot of people that went to Oakland last year, they just, they kind of regretted going there, but, He's still a good player. He's 29, so he's a little older than the 27 they've been going with. But, I mean, he'd be a veteran presence in the defensive back room. Kind of just kind of – and he – but the only issue is he might be a little expensive. So if it came down to it, Green Bay's like, you know what, we'll save this money for somebody else. We'll go target. Maybe we'll grab a corner in the draft or something like that. I think Kevin King, all he's got to do is stay healthy and – I think big things are on the horizon for him. Obviously, like he, through just a few games last year, he made an impact. He was, he's a big guy. He can defend any receiver in what in his way. Jair Alexander is a stud. The dude's going to be, in my opinion, probably one of the best five cornerbacks in football in just a couple years. He's he's a stud. He's fast. He can guard anybody. He does doesn't matter if he's only five ten. He bodies up receivers that are six four. He doesn't care. Uh, Josh Jackson is a Josh Jackson's an interesting case where he could possibly move to safety. Um, I'm not completely sold on that idea, but it's possible. Uh, he just yeah. he needs to work, he needs to work on his man coverage a little bit. Uh, Tony Brown is just as is another just he's an athlete that's going to go mm. out there and just not take he's not going to take flack from anybody. Doesn't matter who he's going up against. Now he does need to know when to showboat and when not to but at the end of the day just you want guys out there that are going to play hard and tony brown plays hard i love the cornerback room how is it how it is now if you want if they wanted to just do organic development for a year i wouldn't be mad at that i think and i think yeah i think you alexander and king you know it it sucks that it's really just going to come down to them staying healthy you know that's really what it's going to come down to yeah, because they're they're studs, man. They like they both have elite traits that can make them some of the best corners in football. King has size and speed, and this year is huge for him because he was a second round pick, so he doesn't have that fifth year team option. He's got a fourth year team option, and he needs to show he needs to show out this year. And I think that he can do it. And if he can just stay healthy, it'll be a lot of good things can happen for him. So I'm. I'm interested to see what happens there, and I don't want—I don't want them to add a player that's going to stunt anyone's development. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. The only way that would happen is if they sign some, sign a veteran who's—I don't know—who can, who's, who's really going to compete for snaps. I don't. I just don't think that's going to happen. They're going to have to probably draft someone. Um, if it's going to be a corner, they're going to have to draft someone. Otherwise, they can still play around and get a safety, I think, a, a coverage safety that can play alongside and complement Amos. Um, 
but we'll see. I mean, the draft is, what, less than a month away or just about a month around the dot, right? I think I saw someone have a countdown earlier. Uh, April 25th, so we are a month and four days away. month and four days. There you have it, folks. And Gage and I will be back in a, uh, a week or so, right, Gage? Or maybe just a couple of days. We'll see how our schedules work out. Um, but it was a pleasure bringing you another edition of Dairyland Talk. And uh, we hope to have you guys uh, back to listen once again in the near future. Take care, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.